All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. And uh, we have a bit to get into today on the political scene. And we also have some college football and some NFL action to get into. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. And where on the street is the CCP is fucking up. Now, citizens in China have been uh, protesting in mass lately uh, in major cities in about 15 cities. We got thousands of protesters, uh, you know, really rising up because of these recent no covid uh, protocols the government has implemented. Of course, uh, you know, the chairman, as he calls himself. And I'll talk a little bit about how I feel about all that in just a second. But Xin Jinping, and if I pronounce that wrong, that's not out of disrespect. Uh, That's just I'm not. I'm not fluent in Chinese. Okay, so uh, Xi Jinping has uh, implemented these lockdowns and restrictions, you know, affecting millions of people. And uh, where this has got where this had a really bad uh, impact uh, was in the city of Urumqi. And uh, this was a city in the western promise of Xinlang. And uh, what happened here was that there was a fire that took place that would kill 10 people. You want to know why? Because the lockdown so bad. Now, everybody wants to complain about America. I, I understand Joe Biden got your, he don't, you don't like inflation. The bubble may burst. That might be another issue. I ain't got no money in the stock market. So, hey, it is what it is. But you know, that got you, you know, Trump may have made you mad because he was a racist. But listen, he, he they didn't put no locks on your fucking doors and you couldn't get out your fucking house. OK, this is what your boy did to these people. They couldn't get out their own apartment buildings. Ten people had to die. Nine people were seriously injured. The fire department looked like the ultimate fucking fail because they couldn't even get into the buildings to help nobody. You saw them from the outside trying to spray the apartment building down and the water barely could reach. What the fuck is going on? And don't get me wrong, America ain't that great. Again, we got our own issues to worry about. But God damn it, I'm glad my house ain't locked down like that by some motherfuckers like that. I'm going to keep it real. That shit I do not like. I'm, I, I don't, I, that, you know, I any and this is how I feel about government. I've been told y'all many times here on this platform. All this shit. Sounds great on paper. Capitalism, democracy, republicanism, whatever you want to come up with. Communism, authority. Sounds great on paper. In action, and when you see it being done, it's bullshit. Look at China. Yes, nepotism, corruption, out the out, out the ass. This is what happens. People die. And now they got these people thinking, oh, at some point we might even have to go to war with somebody. I'm telling you right now, y'all not ready to hear this. As much as they got numbers on us like that, they are not capable of fighting no war with us. And socially, we're seeing their own shit break down. They're not ready for none of this. I'm going to tell you like this. As much as America might be on the edge, it might be fringe this, we got enough to kick anybody's ass militarily. I, I know it sounds like I'm bragging and I'm boasting. I, I, I'm. It's the facts. They made one of their first large 
air carrier vessels recently. They only have one compared to almost 200 that America has. Stop playing. Stop, okay? This is just facts. This is not feelings. If America really wanted to kick motherfuckers ass and be an empire, they could. We just choose not to. And I'm glad for the most part they don't. Because we don't need to do all that. For the most part, we see people trying to make business happen. This is why you see the Saudis trying to make their little business deals behind closed doors. We'll talk about that in a later point. But again, back to what's been going on in China. Because again, this is, you know, power. Absolute power corrupts. Remember? Woo! Anyways, uh, they these people were unable to escape again. And just in general, a lot of these people in these cities have been in lockdown for up to 100 days. We're talking about a couple of months and we're looking at what's going on in the world right now where America, we've been allowed to go out without masks and do whatever. We're, we don't have any type of testing restrictions, although China still has a bunch of those going on right now. None of that going on here. You know, Biden wanted to push that. Thank God somebody stood up to him because, again, I, I was already calling for his head when he was talking about that. You got to You got to get tested. Tested every week just to show up to work. Get him the fuck out of here. Again, I still feel the same way, just as you know, I felt about Trump. The last two motherfuckers have just been just the worst. Y'all can say whatever you want. I, I don't like either one of them, but again, back, you know, keeping it back to China. Again, the people are seeing what's going on around the world, and they're getting tired of this restrictive environment they supposedly had this social contract with the government that means they treat them the right way and the government can pretty much do whatever it feels like it needs to do but the surveillance state the all this and all this you know again i keep trying to tell y'all we should be lucky we have a a we don't need a social credit score like they do in china the reason why they do all that in china is because china is way more authoritative than we could ever allow ourselves or the people would allow this government to be believe it or not it ain't really gonna happen believe it or not no matter how much you think i again social credit score that's a tactic that's a that's a proper a propaganda tool uh that's never been mentioned by any candidate it's not being mentioned in any thought circle from liberal people they're they're too busy trying to placate to different groups as opposed to just you know be a, a aggressive dominant you know you know what i mean it's it's weird in america we're a little bit more contrived in what we do and it's weird you know how we play shit but again it, it it's in a way it's in a way to keep authoritarianism from happening in a weird way and it keeps it from happening because you know again we have red blue two different parties you know republican democrat so it keeps that authoritarianism bullshit from happening like you see in china so they're 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 chomping at the bit right now uh their economy is tanking as well we talk with we're, we're hearing about what's going on in russia their shit is fucked that's why they're hoping to god the eu says please uh they 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 hoping to god they're praying to god that the eu says fuck off america we're not gonna help you in ukraine so it's easier for them although russia y'all getting y'all ass whooped let's be real here that's why you praying on this to happen but i just don't see i think what you'll have is a fearic victory at the very least if all the money were to go away from ukraine tomorrow they'll have to say look we gonna beat y'all ass and y'all can't take our capital but y'all might have to just y'all y'all might they might just leave russia with crimea and just call it they just kind of just it is where it was. Get the fuck out of Kiev because we can't have that. But Russia, there's no way Russia can win militarily. They've been exposed. You're not looking at the right 
uh, things uh, in terms of the media. Russia is being demolished as we speak. They're being surrounded in a lot of different places. They have no answers militarily. Now, has, it been, has American spending helped and weapons helped? Sure, by all means, but from the get-go, they really didn't have a chance because their rec- their weapons are so out of date and the way that they run their military is is really awful. The immobilization didn't involve any type of training, just brought people together. They were taking people out of their jails. They're fucked. They're, they're fucked, bro. I'm just going to be honest with you. And and if if you if I'm being I mean, I'm playing corporate advocate right now. Because the U.S. and all these different places, a lot of them operate like corporations. That's why Mao is calls himself the chairman because he's corporate. I'm being real. If I was the U.S., with everything about to pop and burst for a lot of different people, I know I got the biggest army. I'm taking out the two biggest threats, at least one of them right now. I'm just saying, I got the weapons. I'm already got. I already got Ukraine already. You know. Back, pushing them back, I'd say go ahead and take a shot and just say, mm, let's go in there and just take y'all out and let y'all let Ukraine figure out what they want to do with you afterwards. And whatever the EU wants to do, fuck them. Because with anything really pops off, we know France is going to weigh the white flag anyways. And Britain didn't already say fuck y'all and they already fuck with us. So we cool. We don't need a whole lot of y'all anyway. So Germany, y'all gonna go have y'all problems too, cause y'all all got economic issues. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who makes it out the top. I still got the U.S. on top, cause we got the better military. And again, we have way diversified shit going on. They'll talk about, oh my God, the corporations are gonna go bad. Well, it's time for small businesses to step up as things impress or improve financially. It'll take a minute, but things will happen. Again, the house of market is gonna go down. Everybody will be able to afford a house at some point. We can do more things at some point. It'll work its way back. That's how America kind of yo-yos. It happens. It's it's scary, but a hey, it, it is what it is. It's inevitable. Again, capitalism does have its flaws. Again, everything sounds great on paper until it's enacted. It is what it is. Let's move on. We have some, a few more things to talk about. You also got Mother Nature doing her thing currently in Hawaii. We got the largest active volcano, uh, Mount, uh, Mauna, Mauna Loa, uh, on the big island currently erupting for the first time in almost 40 years. Now, this is an effusive eruption. And what this means is lava is rising to the top and just simply flowing out and just like a steady flow, just coming and just going, just just traveling down the mountain all over the place. Now, it is destructive. It can destroy homes, of course, wildlife, but it's not as catastrophic as an explosive, um, you know, volcano. Now, an example of those would be uh, pretty much um, Mount St. Helens back in 1980. We also have one going back a long time ago. But the reason why I mention this one is because it's very significant to people, uh, at least in the Pacific Northwest, Crater Lake. Now, that was once a mountain, uh, but that was a super volcano, really, by the name of Mount Mazama. It blew its whole lid off, uh, became pretty much a caldera because everything sunk in and it became a lake through, you know, thousands of years or hundreds of years of rain and thousands and hundreds of years you know rain and snow all that all that but and you also had Krakatoa which was so much of a big uh you know explosive eruption it produced so much gas if I'm not mistaken it created like a uh you know it dropped temperatures around the world it somehow you know 
manifest the, the gases and all that. Anyways, you know what I mean. A lot more shit can happen. This one, again, is still, you know, destructive. It'll destroy homes and crops and all that. But for the most part, I mean, life will go on when it's done seeping and all that. Uh, but again, with that being said, it hasn't reached any like communities, but it can reach a major highway. So that might cause some issues. So again, it ha it does its damage, but again, it's, it's a lot different than what, you know, we've, uh, than what, you know, could also happen. And uh, with that being said, uh, there is a warning, a trigger warning for you guys. I do want to say this because of just where we're at in our, you know, this point in history in the world. Uh, this has been confirmed by geologists and people within this, uh, I guess you could call it Vulcanology, I think you would call it. This is just, you know, an example of what's going to be happening a little bit more, particularly in this region. Uh, they call this the Ring of Fire, Hawaii, all those Pacific Islands, all the way up to Alaska and the Bering Strait. Uh, this is going to be reflective of just more what's going to happen. Uh, we have uh, inactive volcanoes all the way, you know, up to, like I said, Alaska. Uh, a lot of these different mountains that they just call a mountain. You call they call them Mount Shasta. You never knew that was a, that's a and that's an active volcano, by the way. Mount St. Helens is still active, a big one uh, in Oregon. You got is Mount Hood, the biggest mountain out there, about fourteen thousand feet, if I'm not mistaken. That's an active volcano. We got earthquakes that go on here. Those are expected to be happening more often. It is what it is. Don't be scared. It's just, it's just nature. Just be ready. You know, they told you about all those canned goods. You know, hey, you worried about, that's why I ain't really worried about a war per se. Cause it, mother nature, just nature itself could just say, oh, okay, well, bam, big ass earthquake. I mean, we don't need a war. Anyways, and, and, and one more thing about the China US thing. I know the media, both sides, um, I think, you know, mainstream likes to take this uh, perspective of, you know, exposing China, you know, injustice when they can, uh, propping them up somewhat as a murky enemy to some to some extent, uh, or as just a little, you know, a trade partner that we have issues with, which is reality kind of what it is. Of course, you have the right wing saying, oh, you know, you know, Democrats, they cowtail to them. Blah, 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 blah. Again, this these are trading partners. Uh, we are the biggest buyer from China. Uh, China is pretty much the biggest seller uh, to a lot of these places. A lot of this is business. It shouldn't be taken personal because, again, we're not really in on it per se. It shouldn't be taken personal. This is kind of what they do. As far as a conflict between those, between the U.S. and China, it could happen, uh, but in reality, they the business is far too important. Now, if the U.S. decided to take, see what the U.S. would have to do would take a more, you know, isolationist approach to really rub people the wrong way, in my opinion, uh, and more, you know, inward and not really doing business, not really out there. And I think what, what Saudi Arabia is trying to do, you know, kind of, I don't think it's underhand. I mean, it's just what, again, it's business. So they trying to make a deal with Russia or, you know, some type of deal uh, where they pretty much undermine all the sanctions that the U.S. has put up. That's the end of the story. So uh, if the U.S. can somehow make some new partnerships, they already got the strong partnership with Mexico and Canada. I mean, you already got another top 10 producer with Nigeria. You got Shell out there already. I mean, maybe you 
you know, you 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 branch out and you do some different shit. You know, maybe you look more into uh, diversifying energy use too. Though, I mean, we have again. I told y'all before. You know, I think a lot of this is particularly from the U.S. standpoint because we know so much of we know so much about what's going on, particularly with science and all this. I mean, a lot of this could be avoided through just other uses of energy. I mean, we have. We have capabilities of producing wind, solar, and all that. We don't have to say, you know, we just strictly do all those things. We can use fossil fuels as well, but we, if we bring them all together, uh, we can diversify our energy use and kick a lot of these motherfuckers to the curb. To be honest, it's all about what we want to do for ourselves. And again, those that will create jobs, that will create well-paying jobs for American citizens. It's all about what, you know, the government really wants, where their priorities lie. Is it just easy business, easy money, or is it about building, building actual infrastructure that could benefit your people first? Uh, that's where the government needs to be thinking about, Republican or Democrat. You know, not so much business with outside entities and bring other businesses here and taking their businesses abroad and so on and so forth they should be focusing on you know really promoting american business and we could say trump did that to an extent da, 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 whatever uh he did a lot of backroom deals with russia just like you claim you know uh the democrats do backroom deals with china it's the same thing all that shit to be should be brought to the light and not we shouldn't be highlighting one or the other and it all because it's all being done and it's all not beneficial to the american people okay now, I'll let you go from that, and then I'll wrap everything up with this segment with uh, a segment about, well, at least a story about some Republicans in Arizona punching air right now because, again, they lost, okay, in, a, in an election. A Republican county, Coach Chiefs, uh, like I mentioned in Arizona, is refusing to certify the results, uh, of course, for the governor's race, uh, I believe the winning candidate, uh, what's her name? I know the loser from the Republican Party was Ricky Lake. Uh, not Ricky Lake, whatever her name was, whatever, whatever, you know, you know what, you know, the names you ain't got to go all there. But anyways, they tripping. Cause again, they lost, they talking about, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the, what is the machines? They weren't valid. They had mistakes. Now this was true. There was some issues with some voting machines. 17,000 votes had been affected, but those 17,000 votes got recasted and the Republican nominee still lost. Now, Eventually, the state will, the secretary of state will eventually file a suit to pressure the board into certification. When that happens or whatever happens, I'll let you know. I think at this point it's been, you know, handled, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, Arizona has been the battlefield for voter fraud accusations since Trump lost his reelection bid. This is just them having sour grapes because, uh, again, like I said, they complained about these voting machines and, you know, how these how this was done. And my question is, uh, why weren't these issues resolved before this election? Again, we've we all had those issues in 2020 with, you know, whatever happened uh, with whoever, you know, was certified the victor uh, from that state. I believe it was. Yeah, it was Biden. Of course, he won by some slim margin. Of course, some Arizonas, well, the Republicans obviously don't like that. Now, the question is, if that was a real problem to you guys, then where was the effort to rectify the situation on your end? Meaning changing these systems out, re, you know, changing all that up. I don't see any attempt amongst your end to, to rectify the situation. And it seems to me that this was this happened in your county, which would have told me that you have the utmost control to do something about it. So you sat around, didn't do shit, waited for the election to happen and you lost again. And then you say, oh, it's rigged again. No, you could have did something about it. You could have changed out and put in new new machines. Right. You should have brought in some more. Right. That's what happens. Right. You have somebody test them beforehand. Right. 
Don't you do your due diligence? Again, since this was so, no, you sat back, you thought you had a win in your hand, and you lost. And now you're sitting there just to save face. Well, wait a second. Uh, we had this, we had this, uh, 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 this controversy. Well, the controversy was handled, and you still lost. What is your excuse now? Oh, again, you didn't you didn't rectify the situation. You didn't change out any machines. You didn't do anything to change the system there or try to. You sat back and you waited for the results and you lost the results. And now you want to complain in a story. I'm tired of Republicans bitching and moaning whenever they lose. That's not your gate out of jail free card. Y'all sound like the black Jews. Oh, man, if you tell them about some history about really what happened to their people. Well, y'all was a bachelor state. Y'all got taken over by all these different... Well, that's because God said... No, no, because people you didn't have an army, and they took you over. Now, you lost because more people voted for one candidate than the other. And again, whatever votes got fucked up got recasted again, and you still lost. You have no excuses. Go home. Boo! Try again in the next election. Y'all still got control of the house and, you know, you almost you basically tied in the Senate. Let it go. Shit. Y'all y'all won for the most part. Y'all show people that people are mad at Democrats. Yeah, we, we that happens. In two more years, they'll be mad at y'all again. So voting for Democrats. We it's a it's a fucking cycle. Let it go. I'm taking a break. We're going to get into some sports. We're going to start off with some college football in the top 25 and, of course, the top four for the uh, college football playoff. I'll be right back. What's going on? We're going to break down some college football. I'm going to start off with the top 25. Uh, of course, break off or break that off into the top four, of course, for the playoffs. And then we're going to break down some notes from around the conference. I do have some headlines coming from the SEC, though, uh, to get into before we get into that. And, of course, we'll be going through the conference standings, a little bit of the scoreboard. Of course, we're getting closer. Well, we're actually getting to the conference championship week. So, again, I want to detail that later on, at least tomorrow, uh, Friday, because, again, those games will be popping off on Saturday. So I would like to get to those matchups tomorrow. Uh, just kind of preview those but for today like I said just get through uh, the final conference standings at least uh, mention uh, you know what the matchups are going to be and then uh, we'll get into the NFL but uh, let's like I said let's start off with the top 25 uh, the final one for the regular season uh, at number 25 uh, we have oh sorry Mrs. sorry yes oh Miss at 8 and 4 actually Mississippi State let me take that back Mississippi State at 8 and 4 uh, then we have North Carolina at 9 and 3 at number 23, we have uh, UT San Antonio at two. Uh, sorry, at 10 and 2. At number 22, we have UCF at 9 and 3. Uh, they were able to get that win last weekend against South Florida, so they will be showing up uh, in the American Conference Championship game against Tulane this weekend. At number 21, we have Texas at 8 and 4. At number 20, we have South Carolina uh, taking out 
two top 10 teams in the past couple of weeks to kind of solidify this spot here. Uh, very interesting team going into next year. I do not know about Spencer Rattler's eligibility off the top of my head, though. But at number 19, we have Notre Dame. Uh, they are uh, they did come up short against USC last weekend. Uh, they are eight and four going into the ball uh, the ball games. Uh, number 18, we have Tulane here at 10 and two. At number 17, we have UCLA here. They are nine and three. These are the most wins under the Chip Kelly era. Again, uh, that is a positive sign. Although I hate to see them go in a you know in a Pac-12 because of the Pac-12, I hate to see them go. But uh, that's a good sign for them going into the Big Ten. They look to be competent. We'll see what happens though. Uh, at number 16, we have Oregon. Of course, we took that loss to the Ducks last weekend. That one, of all the losses this season, that one kind of bugged me the most just because of how it transpired. I um. We'll talk a little bit more about that one in a second, but Oregon State is one spot up above us at 9-3, though. They've had the same record at 9-3. At number 14, we have Florida State, uh, who ended their regular season against a inst uh, well, with a robbery win against the Gators. Uh, they are number 14, but they finished the, re the season 9-3. At number 13, we have Kansas State, who also finishes 9-3, as well as Utah and LSU, who took a, wow, a bad loss last weekend that we'll talk about, too. Uh, number 10, we have Clemson here. They are attended to. They also got upset at some point. I believe it was last weekend, too. Uh, we have number nine. We have Washington, 10 and 2. At number eight, we have Penn State at 10 and 2 as well. And Tennessee, another 10 and 2 team, as well as Alabama. And then now we are at the top five. Well, really the top four. Well, let's talk about Ohio State. 11 and 1. Almost forgot about them at number 5. But we are at the top four teams. Of course, USC held on. Uh, they have one more win to go to solidify this number four spot. They have to take out Utah this weekend in the Pac 12 title game. Uh, they haven't looked amazing, but they've gotten the job done. So. You know, it is what it is. Here they are. Uh, we have at number three, TCU, again, coming out of the Big 12, surprising everybody this season. Sonny Dykes has really turned his team around. Uh, at this point, uh, they should be favorites going into their conference title game. They've already beaten uh, Kansas State previously this year. So, again, I know they're my favorite to win the game. We'll see what happens. At number two, we have Michigan, of course, blowing out Ohio State. That is the reason why they're here. We'll talk about that game in just a little bit as well. Uh, they remain at 12 and 0 and then so they'll be actually playing Purdue in the conference final game so you said so the conference championship game so we'll talk about that game a little bit later uh <laughs> I mean that's an easy win for them I don't think we have to do too much of a breakdown for that one and then of course number one we have Georgia they've held on uh they will be facing off against uh, I still think they're facing off against LSU in the conference title game if I'm not mistaken uh but um again Great defense. We've mentioned so much about them before. Not really too much to say here. I mean, that's it. <laughs> uh, but a, a look at the top 25, at least some of the scores. Uh, we did mention that Clemson did go down uh, this weekend. It was to South Carolina. That was their second top uh, their second top 10 win in a row. Uh, for Spencer Rattler in that game, he would go 25 of 39, to, uh, 360 yards. He would throw a couple touchdowns, but he would throw a couple picks. Uh, Jaheim Bell would score on the ground as well. The leading receiver would be Antoine Wells, nine receptions for 131 yards. He would score twice, and Zach Pickens would get a sack and 
defensive back Marcellus Dial will end up with a pick. For Clemson, DJ Wangale, terrible, terrible outing. Oh, man, you don't want to show up like this against your rival. 8 to 29, 99 yards, one touchdown. He would throw a pick. He would have 51 yards on the ground. He would score. Uh, but again, just overall passing the ball, trash. Just going to be real with it. Uh, Will Shipley, 132 yards on the ground, a touchdown. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., eight total tackles from him. He will get a sack. He will get an interception. Again, really good game from him. Uh, UCF, as I mentioned before, they get the win against South Florida, 46-39. A really close game, uh, despite South Florida being a, a a one-win team, but like I said, UCF holds on. Uh, they're going to go to the American Conference Championship. Uh, but for UCF, Mikey King will lead the way for them. 15 to 19, 129 yards. Uh, he throw he. Th- Threw for two touchdown passes, including the game winner, at with 20 seconds left to tight end Alec Holler. So again, uh, he made the plays when they counted. Backup John Reese Plumley would make some plays as well. Nine to nine through the air, 73 yards. He would throw uh, for a touchdown pass, but he also would get 133 yards on the ground and two touchdowns on the ground. So again, you weren't going to stop UCF at least offensively. They wanted to make it to that that conference championship game. It made it. It, it you know it means something to them you could tell uh but defensive tackle uh ricky barber would get a sack and defensive back justin Hodges would end up with a pick for usf byron brown will get you three uh, will go 13 to 20 excuse me for 140 yards he would throw a touchdown but he would uh end up with a pick uh he would have 109 rushing yards on the ground though and two touchdowns uh brian bad will be the team's leading rusher with 144 rushing yards he would have two touchdowns and defensively jonathan ross would end up with a sack, but again, uh, UCF uh, made the plays when it counted. Of course, the game went a touchdown with 20 seconds left. That's all that it took, but South Florida, for what it's worth, played their hearts out. Uh, just like Texas A&M, and they got the upset. God damn, L- that's why I call them LS Poof. LS Poof. They up they up for a minute, and they poof, gone. Out of all discussion, if they not if they not out of the playoff this if they not out of the playoff discussion and they out of the top twenty five and relevancy, you know what I'm saying? That's why I call them LS Poof. They come up short, thirty eight to twenty seven, on the road to Texas A and M. And didn't we didn't I tell you Texas A and M has garbage offense? It's so bad that they fired their offensive coordinator, and 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 they still put up thirty eight points on Brian Kelly's defense. LS Poof. No defense. Anyways, Jade Daniels, 21 to 35, 189 yards under center. No touchdowns to speak of. John Emery Jr. without three rushing touchdowns. Uh, but overall, this defense was trash. They gave up 274 rushing yards. Um, overall, they had they gave up 6.5 yards per play. And on offense, they were 4 of 11 on third down. Disgrace. Uh, but uh, for Texas A&M, Connor Wigman would do his thing. Two, 12 of 18, 115 yards. Sorry, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Devin Achane, uh, pretty much the story of the game here. 215 yards for the Aggies, two uh, rush, two rushing touchdowns. Mushin Muhammad the third. Damn, if I had a dollar for all these sons of NFL players I keep coming across, we got Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Mushin Muhammad the third. I love it. I love it. I mentioned it before. That just I, I, I love how far are building up their sons to be, you know, in, in a image or just as successful, you know. But just anyways, doing this thing, 
Five receptions, 94 yards. You got to love it. He would have a touchdown. Defensive back Antonio Johnson, 10 total tackles from him. And defensive lineman uh, Walter Nolan will end up with a sack. As I mentioned, uh, Notre Dame will come up short in their final regular season game of the year uh, against USC. 38-27 to will be the final score for Notre Dame. Drew Pine will go 23-26, 318 yards, two touchdowns, but he would throw a pick. Uh, Logan Diggs would have a, a, a touchdown on the ground. And Michael Mayer, not Michael Meyer. Michael Mayer would get you eight receptions for 98 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, Dion Calzier uh, will get you three receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, Isaiah Fos uh, Foskey will get you five total tackles and one and a half sacks. Again, I don't know how they count a half a sack. Why do y'all count half a sack? Why? Just, just. Give him a sack. Anyways, for USC, uh, Caleb uh, will go 18 of 22, 232 yards, a touchdown in the air, three touchdowns on the ground. So he's played great. I mean, I can't. I will say this. I mean, I am biased against USC, and it's definitely showed. They definitely played a great season. But, uh, you know, I'm still rooting for Utah to win the Pac-12 title game because if I want the Pac-12 team to win, fuck it. <laughs> so uh great season guys i'm still not gonna root for you i never have and i never will <laughs> so anyways but i will acknowledge when y'all play a good game i will do that db uh calvin bullock would have five total tackles and interception defensive lineman solomon bird uh and also tuli tui tui polutu will both end up with sacks and for what is worth usc has a pretty uh pretty good defense uh when it when it counts uh so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh that that matchup i will be previewing because i feel like i feel like utah still good enough to take this this usc team the difference so i'll the distance so i will try to preview that game for tomorrow uh but you know again everybody's probably riding with usc of course they are the top four team um if of course utah gets the win that means no pac-12 team goes to the national well you know to the college football playoff and i'll be honest with you i don't care if it ain't oregon or washington or somebody from the Pac or utah somebody from the actual pac-12 i don't care now i'm gonna tell you that i get it i don't care <laughs> i hope utah beat that ass i'm rooting for willing whittingham that's right i don't care i said it i'm going to tell you like it is gone traders i don't care i don't want you to win our conference title y'all don't deserve our conference title because y'all leaving now, I'm going to keep it real. You ain't going to hear this nowhere else but on, on Never Out of Bounds. Anyways, uh, the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12 is pretty much um, decided. At least the conference championship is decided with Kansas State getting it done against Kansas 37-27 uh, to 27 in what they will call the Governor's Cup. Like I said, there were some changes in the SEC the Tex in Texas A&M. We mentioned that their offensive coordinator and Titans coach, Gerald Dickey, got fired uh, after five seasons. He was already uh, demoted to co-offensive coordinator uh, after the team would finish eight and four last season and uh, this season they would fail to reach a ball game for the first time since 2008 and we've uh, mentioned this team struggles offensively you know many points in the season uh, they would be below mid uh, in terms of scoring 56 in the nation uh, they were also sorry no they were 56 in the nation last year they dropped to 101st in scoring this nation so way below mid uh, and uh, but for what it's worth head coach Jimbo Fisher still survives I think a part of that is because of his 86 million dollar buyout but who knows if they lose man if they lose again next season I mean you think they eat some of that? Of course, they'll probably drop down a little bit because, you know, they pay him for a whole, another year. But 
You know, do you think they would eat that at some point? Look at Mel Tucker. Ooh, what the fuck was Michigan State thinking signing him to that contract? Don't get me wrong. I'm not for them resigning him. No, he deserves a job. He's like, but $90 million, my nigga? And you ain't even... Wow, whoa, whoa, what was Texas A&M thinking? Y'all tripping. All that, all that, all that, uh, what y'all, what y'all call that endowment? All that endowment for nothing. Woo, Auburn, they go ahead and make a signing at head coach. They go ahead and uh, get Hugh Freeze to make his return back to the SEC. Uh, he was a head coach at Liberty from 2019 till now. Uh, and like I said, he mentioned, uh, sorry, like I mentioned before, he does have some SEC experience. He was at the helm of LSU. Um... From 2012 to 2016, of course, there was some scandals there. So, hey, y'all know what it is. If you know college football and Hugh Freeze and the SEC, you know about it. We ain't getting into all that today. He would lead them to a uh, so a for multiple double-digit win seasons, a top-10 finish in 2015. Uh, he has an overall record as a coach of 103 and 47. So, obviously, he's good. He's a good coach. I ain't taking that away from the man. He got some drama with him, but he went down to that Christian school. Probably, you know, changed his ways, you know. I'm trying to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. So here he is back at old, oh, where he at? Oh, Auburn. Yeah, Auburn week at. Well, why y'all stick with Cadillac? He was solid. The players wanted to play with him. Man, whatever. Y'all want to get Hugh Freeze, whatever. I, I don't feel like that moves the needle. <laughs> just gonna be honest with you um yeah he's a i mean whatever uh let's look at some of these conference notes um let's look at the pac-12 real quick uh just to kind of wrap up what happened in the final week of the season utah was able to get that win against colorado blowout win actually 63 to 21 uh colorado finishes 111 overall uh up next we have oregon uh, taking the l here to oregon state 39 to 34 this one hurt me kind of okay both oh sorry 38 to 34 uh both teams of course finished nine and three as we mentioned oregon state finishes one spot above us in the rankings um you know Bo Nix didn't play a bad game. I, I mean, if it, if I would have saw this final score and hadn't really saw the game, I just would have saw the final score. Initially, I would have thought that Bo Nix would have thrown a couple interceptions and he would have cost the game in some way. At, at every point, you know, I and this is why I got to give Bo Nix some of his props because he's definitely improved. I don't think he's cost us any outside of and even in the first game. I don't think it was so much, you know, Bo Nix making bad plays, you know, in the first loss to uh Georgia it was just Georgia just destroying our defense, um, you know. So I, I don't think he really played a bad game really at all this season. He's really stepped up to the plate. Twenty-seven to forty-one in this one, three hundred twenty-seven yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Noah Whittington, uh, Noah Whittington had eighty-one yards on the ground. Uh, he was scored. So with Jordan James, Chase Coda, Chase Coda would score uh, a touchdown as well. He would be the team's leading receiver. Nine catches, one hundred thirty, one hundred and thirty-six yards. You know. So offensively, we played a great game and, and answered all the questions we could have uh, answered, um, you know, about our offense. Bo Nix came to play. Uh, the defense just had a collapse. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it'll get better in time. Again, this is Lanning's first year. Uh, you know, he has to bring his system in and have it installed completely and bring in his guys. Um, you know, this is still the vestiges of a former, you know, coaching staff to some extent. This is a roster that's reflected of that, particularly on defense. 
Uh, he did bring in some uh, standout uh, transfers like Christian Gonzalez, who did show up in this game, five total tackles and an interception. Uh, but we were terrible and uh, in terms of stopping the run. And all the problems that showed up last season came back to bite us in the ass. Um, you know, problems that I thought we had answered. Uh, I thought, if anything, the questions would have come up with our, you know, our corners or our safeties. You know, if we were to lose big time, you know, that's what I worried about. I thought we answered that. You know, I thought that game against uh, Utah really said something about our rush defense because Utah was looking to kind of, as they normally do, look to kind of intimidate us and kind of, you know, run all over us. And that determines whether or not they win that matchup or not. And this year they weren't able to, so they didn't win this year's matchup. Who knows what happens next year? It's a give and take. And that's why I love I love college football, particularly Pac-12 football for what it's worth because, I, I you know, as much as I'm frustrated, now I will let's talk. I gotta talk about my frustration first. Let me get that out of the way. We gave up 21 answered, unanswered points in the fourth quarter. We were we were leading 31 to 10 at the half. What the fuck? What the flying fuck happens defensively to a team? You got DJ Johnson punching people after the game. Boy, you should have been punching people in the game, which are tackles at least. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They didn't even pass in the final quarter. Ben Grobenson for the Beavers just threw for 60 yards, two interceptions. We allowed them to score twice on the ground, and that's one of the biggest factors of what happens. 268 total rushing yards. Damian Martinez gets 103 rushing yards. Isaiah Newell gets two rushing touchdowns. I thought we were better than that. I really did. It bothers me. It really does. It it kind of does when I think about it. But I will say this. God damn it for what it's worth. The Pac-12 foot Pac-12 football is is better than what people give us credit for. As much as that loss hurts, it just shows me that this team, these teams come to play every fucking Saturday. And the media does nothing but shit on us every fucking week. And they couldn't wait for this shit to happen with USC and UCLA so they can prey on the fucking downfall of the conference. And it's so fucking sad to see USC not understand this shit. You winning could have helped the whole fuck. But since you said, oh, fuck it, we're too good for you guys. We're going to go to the big and not and you're not going to beat Ohio State or Michigan. Like that. You're not. Stop fooling yourself. You're not on their level. Now, again, you might be at some point. You might be better. But, damn it, you you had a path. Doesn't This season showed USC and UCLA. They could have made it here in the Pac-12. You just fucked up a whole conference for y'all greed. And, God damn it, these teams play fucking good football every fucking Saturday. Utah. You fucked them over. Washington fucked them over. Washington State, you fucked them over. And I don't like it. Watching how this season played out made me very mad about the state of the Pac-12. Because we played some goddamn good football. We got a whole bunch of teams in the top 25. And fucking who knows what USC can do if they can get in there. 
That shows you right there the, the, the talent that we got. Now all we got to do is win something. But no, that wasn't good enough for you. We got to go to the Big Ten. Well, good luck versus Michigan and Ohio State every fucking year then. I hope it was fucking worth it. Washington had a great game versus Washington State in the Apple Cup. They finished the year 10-2 overall. Washington State finishes 7-5. 51-33 is your, is your final score. But that game was so fucking exciting. Back and forth throughout two fucking quarters. That's Pac-12 football. And nobody wants to like that. You can't appreciate that, but you want to talk about North Northwestern, Illinois, man, come on, man, get the fuck out of here. All these teams got they good and they bad, whatever, but come on, the the anti West Coast, the the West Coast bias is is irking. It irks me in college, and this is what I hate about college football media. It's too fucking regional. But then it, we have no problem with breaking that regionalism aside for money and TV bullshit. Whatever. Like I said, Washington played a great game against Washington State. Michael Pettis Jr. goes 25 of 45. Fired 25 of 43, 485 yards, three touchdowns and interception, but two rushing touchdowns from him. Wayne Tulapapa, 126 yards on the ground, 9.7 yards per carry. He scores as well. Rome Adunze, uh, five receptions from him, five, uh, 157 yards. He would score with a touchdown catch. He would score on the ground. Defensively, linebacker Alfonso Tupu, uh, Tupu would have 12 total tackles, and linebacker Jerry Martin would have two sacks. Washington State, again, can Ward, another great game from him. Two touchdowns through the air, 322 yards. He would score on the ground as well. Nakia Watson, 75 yards on the ground, a touchdown from him. And uh, defensive back De uh, Derek Langford uh, would get you uh, three total tackles and an interception. So, again, we did all we could. As far as the Ducks is concerned, we come up a little bit short as we look at the standings. Uh, USC, of course, finishes on top of the Pac-12. Of course, there's no more divisions. The, the team with the, the best uh, conference record. Uh, they go on and uh, they go to the conference championship. But USC, of course, 81, they go. Uh, as we mentioned, they will be facing off against Utah, who finished 7 and 2. The Ducks finished 7 and 2 as well. Uh, Washington finishes uh, finished 7 and 2. UCLA and Oregon State both finished 6 and 3. A great finish for Oregon State. I will tip my cap to them, although they're my rival, but that's just how. I'm telling you, underrated the Pac-12 is. I have to do it for them. Uh, Washington State, they've had, they did have some great games, but they would finish four and five in conference play. Arizona finishes three and six. Uh, Cal and Arizona State both finished two and seven, and Stanford and Colorado finished one and eight. Now we have our bad teams, but so does every other conference. Who doesn't? Come on now. Ever heard of Vanderbilt? Shit. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Shit, I'm just being real with y'all, man. Y'all put too much. You ever heard of Kansas? And look, y'all can say whatever you want about this season. They didn't finish all that great. The Kansas, that's about their high. About seven, what are they? Seven and five. That's about best they can do. And <laughs> just be real here. Oh, here's a here's a here's a Pac-12 headline. Here's something that could shake up some shit. Our offensive coordinator, of course, for Oregon, Kenny Dillingham. He's headed to Arizona State to be their head coach. He's already previously worked as an offensive assistant of their head coach, Todd Graham, back a few years ago. Uh, 
Dillingham just finished uh, this season. Uh, basically, you know, they led him to a well, he led him to a fourth place finish uh, in terms of points per game with forty. We were also third in yards per game with over five hundred. So he's taking that to Arizona State. So again, they're facing some things with you know uh, recruiting violations. So there's some punishments to be had, but uh, there and there's going to be some you know you know restrictions on recruiting to some extent. But from a coaching standpoint, Arizona State has, has made a really good play in my opinion. I, they they took they took him and I, they took him from right under our nose. And I don't like it, but he's an alma mater, and I understand it. I respect it, but I think that might be an interesting play by them. I think it is. I, I, I give them some props for that. Uh, let's move on uh, to the Big Ten. Uh, the big headline here is OSU, Ohio State, of course, the Ohio State, getting that ass blown out by Michigan. Uh, final score, I believe, it was like 43-27 like that, something like that. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, uh, he would have four total touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground uh, in the fourth quarter. Donovan Edwards for the Michigan Wolverines would score on the ground. So he's twice on the ground as well. Uh, yes, final score, 45-27. to this is the first win. That was the first back to back wins. Those are the first back to back wins uh, because remember, Michigan won last year. This is the first uh, time that they've won back to back versus Ohio State uh, since 2000, 1999 and 2000. So, again, whew, Ohio State, biggest bl- this was their biggest blowout that they suffered at home. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. Uh, Michigan will be going on to the Big Ten title game versus Purdue. I think that's going to be an easy victory. I mean, Purdue doesn't have a lot to offer. Just being real with you. Uh, But another headline coming from the Big Ten is Nebraska is looking to hire Matt Rule. They already have at this point uh, Matt Rule as their new head coach. He's previously served as a head coach on the college level at uh, Temple and Baylor. We know about what he did at Baylor, leading into an 11-win season, only one. That was good enough to get him in the NFL. I don't know why one winning season in college football is justifiable for a job in NFL. I will never know. Ooh, he took Baylor. Ooh, to an 11-win season. Ooh, Art Riles did it three or four times. Okay, and look what happened to him. And Baylor overall. Baylor is not doing anything in the B12, by the way. Um... (laughs) Of course, he would have his difficulties in NFL, so now he's, you know, back uh, in the college roots, uh, hopefully going to the Midwest to help them out there. We'll see what happens. Yeah, good luck. Uh, as far as the standings are concerned, in the East, we have Michigan here at 9-0. and We have Ohio State here at 8-1. and This is, in the course, in the East Division. Penn State is 7-2, and Maryland 4-5. and Michigan State, Indiana, and Rutgers round out the bottom. And in the Western Division, of course, Purdue wins that. They clinch it. Illinois comes up short. Uh, as long as well as Iowa, Minnesota, and uh, Illinois, who tie at five and four. Wisconsin finishes four and five. <clears throat> Nebraska finished three and six. And of course, Northwestern garbage, uh, one and eight. We're going to take a look at the Conference USA. We're just going to just go through the standings for this conference here. It's a smaller conference. So uh, we're just going to knock through the standings real quick. UTSA, uh, San Antonio, of course, will finish undefeated at 8-0. North Texas and Western Kentucky uh, will both finish at uh, 6-2. Uh, we got Middle Tennessee here, UAB, and Florida Atlantic both finishing. No, sorry. We have uh, 
sorry, Middle Tennessee finishing that four and, uh, four, and four, as well as UAB and Florida Atlantic. Uh, Rice and UTEP, aka El Paso, finishes at three and five, and Florida International, Charlotte, and Louisiana Tech both finish at the bottom with two and six in conference play. So that uh, leads to the conference championship matchup. Oh, yeah, the conference championship matchup between, uh, excuse me, UTSA, North Texas. Uh, we go to the MAC here. Uh, in the East, we have Ohio winning. We have uh, Bowling Green here, well, at least winning their division in the East. Uh, Ohio wins 7-1. and one. They have a 7-1 and one record in conference play. Bowling Green 5-3. and three. Buffalo 4-3, Miami of Ohio, and Kent State both finish at 4-4. Four four. Uh, we have Toledo and uh, Eastern Michigan both finishing with a 5-3 record, but Toledo will go on to represent the division in the conference championship game versus Ohio, so it's going to be an all-Ohio MAC championship game. Interesting. I got... Uh, I like the way Toledo played this year, but I'm going to side with Ohio in this one. I think they got a, a decent enough offense. Let's go on to the Mountain West uh, in terms of the West Division. Of course, as usual, Fresno gets it done. Uh, they'll be meet, meeting up against Boise State again for this is. I think this matchup has happened a whole bunch of different times for the Mountain West uh, championship. But uh, Fresno finishes seven and one in conference play. Uh, Boise State will finish undefeated. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes, Boise will win the first matchup in October, uh, pretty much easily. Uh, you know, but since then, the Bulldogs, and at that time, though, the Bulldogs were struggling. Uh, in their first matchup, they were just 1-4. Uh, but since then, they've really, you know, gotten a lot better. Now they lead the conference in scoring with almost 31 points a game. Uh, they have, uh, they've, they have 41, uh, sorry, they have, sorry, excuse me, uh, Long story short, Jake Hayner is the reason behind a lot of this. Uh, 2,452 yards, 73% completion percentage, 17-2 touchdown interception ratio. Uh, they are also leading the conference in yards per game with about a about 400. Uh, for Boise, they come into this matchup with a defense that's third in the Mountain West in points allowed. Uh, they also are first in passing defense. So, again, a lot going on there. The matchup between great defense very potent offense. We'll have to see what happens. And then finally, we have the Sun Belt Group A, James Madison, Coastal Carolina. They both finished 6-2, uh, but Coastal Carolina will go on to face Troy in the conference championship game. Troy will finish 7-1 in the conference, as well as South Alabama. Uh, we take a look at uh, Group A. Back at Group A, uh, we have Marshall. Um, Finishing at five and three, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, and also Georgia State both finished three and five. And Old Dominion, uh, Old Dominion finishes last, which is one winning conference play. And we look at Group B. We have Southern Mississippi and Louisiana finishing at four and four. Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe finishing at three and five. Texas State uh, and also Arkansas State do finish at the bottom at one and seven in conference play. All right, y'all. I'm going to take one last quick break, and when I get back, I'll be breaking down the NFL. Just uh, going to gonna go over week 12 and uh, maybe a couple headlines there as well. All right, y'all. I'll be back.
All right, y'all, we're going to wrap everything up today with some NFL action. I'm going to wrap up week 12. I'm also going to preview some Thursday night football and get through a couple of headlines. Uh, so week 12 kind of went by the books. Nothing really out of the ordinary in terms of some of these results. But uh, we had the Dolphins getting it done against the Texans. Uh, pretty easily 30 to 15 of course um, we all know about you know what's going on with the Texans right now they recently benched Davis Mills uh, so they have a they're in flux right now so that wasn't too uh, out of the ordinary we also got the Bengals uh, they get it done against the Titans 20 to 16 both teams leave that matchup seven and four um, like I said, final score 20 to 16. Joe Burrow does a decent job in this one. 22 to 37, 270 yards. He would throw a touchdown. So my J. P. Ryan uh, leads the way on the ground for the Bengals. 58 yards from him. Also a touchdown. T. Higgins will get his seven receptions for 114 yards. He would score. And defensively, Sam Hubbard would get you a sack uh, and also six total tackles. Uh, they would hold Derrick Henry to just 38 rushing yards to keep to the game here uh 2.2 yards per carry i think that's the biggest surprise uh they offered zero well they gave up zero uh offensive touchdowns again a big a big factor here that Bengals defense is a lot it seems to be a lot solid a lot more solid than it was last year it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of the season for Tennessee uh Ryan Tannehill will go 22 with 34 for 291 yards again no touchdowns but no interceptions uh DeMarcus Walker would end up with eight uh, with a sack uh but overall this team struggled offensively again they did show up you know to an extent defensively but they gave up some some crucial plays again Joe Burrow was able to score some my JP Ron was able to score and at the end of the day Tennessee was not uh, at all able to score a touchdown so that's going to be the story of that game here we have a uh, AFC NFC matchup between the Jets and the Bears here. Uh, the New York Jets get the best uh, the best of the Bears in this one, 31 to 10. Uh, the Jets move on to a surprising seven and four, and the Bears move on to a not surprising three and nine. Let's be real here. Trevor Simeon was in place for your boy Justin Fields, 14 to 25, uh, 179 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick. Uh, 292 overall offensive yards for the team. That's not going to necessarily get it done. They were also 4-13 and 13 on third down. Uh, Jack Sanborn would be a bright spot for them, to say the least, on defense with 14 total tackles, but not much to mention overall. Uh, again, they gave up 31 points. Uh, now for the Jets, Mike White will go 22 of 38, 315 yards, three touchdowns, and I think the sweet life of Zach and Cody is over. Just gonna say it, say what it is. Mike White had a couple of these uh, games last season. I don't know why they didn't go with Mike White to begin with. I thought he was a better quarterback, but again, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not an NFL GM. I just an, an analyst, an amateur analyst at that, because I don't necessarily get paid to do it. But anyways, Ty Johnson will have 62 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Garrett Wilson will have five receptions, 95 yards on the touchdown. And C.J. Mosley uh, will do his thing defensively, 10 total tackles and an interception. And Bryce Huff will get you a sack. So a dominant game by the Jets, and the Bears just continue to unravel until they move to Arlington Heights. Yeah, that's the move, right? Uh, Panthers, uh, they get a win against the Broncos. The Broncos continue to dismantle. Everybody wants to point the finger at Russell Wilson. But how come nobody is hella mad at Aaron Rodgers? He sucks just as bad. 
Hmm. Hmm. They both suck, but everybody wants to run Russell Wilson's name through the mud. Why aren't you doing the same to Aaron Rodgers? He's washed too. Drag his. He sucks. Have you seen a Packer a Packers game lately? Everything sucks about them. The Commanders they get a win over the Falcons, uh, nineteen to thirteen. The Commanders again. This is a little bit surprising though. They moved to a seven and five record. Of course, the Falcons are five and seven. But for Atlanta. Marcus Mariota would have a touchdown and an exception, typical game from him. Michael Walker would get a pick for them on defense. But for uh, the District of Columbia, Taylor Heineke, 138 yards, two touchdowns. He would throw an interception, but they get the win. And he's um, definitely an upgrade from Carson Wentz. And Brian Robinson on the comeback journey. Again, we talked about him earlier in the season getting shot and robbed and his, you know, his team's backyard, but again, he's been, you know, showing up and doing the damn thing. 103 rushing yards. He led the team in that department. He also would have a receiving touchdown. And defensively, uh, Derek Forrest uh, would have 11 total tackles, and Montez Sweat would get you a sack. Uh, moving on, we got the Browns getting the best of the Buccaneers, 23-17. to In overtime, uh, the Jaguars get it done by one against the Ravens, 28-27. to When the Ravens, you know... They slip up on defense. They always lose. They defense don't come to play. This is what happens because their offense isn't necessarily awesome for some reason. Lamar Jackson, he struggles every now and again. 16-32, 254 yards. Uh, he would throw a touchdown. He would also have 89 rush yards, so he would lead the team there. Gus Edwards would score on the ground. And defensively, uh, Baltimore was would force about four sacks. So they did their thing there, but they just couldn't stop Trevor Lawrence from scoring. To, uh, 29 to 37 for him, 321 yards, three touchdowns. Zay Jones will get you 11, uh, 11 receptions and also 145 yards. Again, Jamichael Hasty and two other receivers will catch, uh, catch, uh, sorry, catch touchdown passes. So again, Trevor Lawrence spreading it out, getting to be a much more competent quarterback to say the least. I might have been a little bit wrong about him, but. Time will tell. Defensively, Foyasade Oluakun will get you 18 total tackles, and Devon Hamilton uh, will get you a sack. Now, the Raiders, they get it done against the Seahawks. It took overtime to do it, but again, we get it done. 40-34, uh, to 34. Derek Carr, 25-36, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, you take the good with the bad, and you win. Josh Jacobs, 229 yards, two touchdowns. Matt Collins would have a, a pretty good day, for, to say the least, so far in this early uh, this early part of his career. Four receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. And Denzel Perriman and also uh, Max Crosby show up on defense with Denzel Perriman get you nine total tackles and an interception, and Max Crosby gets you a sack and a half. Now, for the Seahawks, Geno Smith goes 27-37, 328 yards. Not too much of a surprise because we don't have a secondary. Geno Smith would, th would uh, throw two touchdown passes, although he would get the interception. Kenneth Walker, Walker, the third, scores twice on the ground. DK Metcalf was a leading receiver with 11 catches and 90 yards. And Travis Homer and also Tyler Lockett would get you some touchdown catches. Quandre Diggs would pull up with two interceptions. So, Again, I say you take the good with the bad and you get the W. 
Cardinals come up short against the Chargers 24-25. The Niners beat the Saints 13-zip. And the Chiefs beat the Rams 22-10. Everything uh, wraps up with the Eagles getting the win against the Packers 40-33. And the Steelers getting the best of the Colts 24-17. Now, a couple of headlines going into week 13. Will Levis declares for the NFL Draft quarterback out of Kentucky. Pretty good last couple of seasons, 43 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, 2,406 yards this season. He's projected to be a first-round pick, third, sixth, 14th, or 16th pick, of course. Uh, the first round should also include C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State and also Bryce Young at Alabama. So we'll see what happens with that. Zay Flowers from Boston College also enters the draft. Uh, in four seasons at the school, he would have 200 receptions for 3,056 yards, 29 touchdowns. Last season, he would have over 1,000 re uh, receiving yards for 12 touchdowns. So, again, some quality players going up in this draft. I don't do the draft board situation. I just talk about who these guys are, and we'll go from there. And, again, let them other guys make draft boards. That's what they do. Now, let's take a look at the Thursday night football matchup Bills and Patriots AFC East rivalry uh, Bills have come a long way uh, in the past few years Patriots again they're on their little downswings to some extent Bills coming to this one 83 the Patriots are six and five this is their first matchup of the season last season they will go uh, they will split the regular season matchups but again the Bills will pretty much blow them out in the playoffs it is what it is. The Bills coming to this one second in the league in scoring 28 points per game, sixth in passing, eighth in rushing. Josh Allen is their rushing leader with 561 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. Uh, last four games versus New England, he's had 300-plus yards, three or more touchdowns. He also doesn't even struggle in Foxborough. Seven to seven to zero touchdown and interception ratio. I think his last meeting, last time he was out there, he threw for 317 yards. Again, the man ain't bad at all. Now, they're also a great defensive team. Uh, they only, uh, they're fifth in points allowed with over, a little bit over 18. They're 19th versus the pass, second in the league in interceptions. They're also seventh uh, versus the run. We got Matt Milano as a standout here, 62 total tackles, second on the team, 11 tackles for loss, four quarterback hits. He has a sack, six pass deflections, two picks. He gives you the best of both worlds. He can stop the run. He can pressure the quarterback and he could make some coverage plays i mean damn what else can he do uh and then for the patriots i mean for for the bills excuse me they do have a couple people out though uh offensive guard Deion dawkins and von miller uh they'll be out completely there's also a few players that might not be a hundred percent coming into the game either through the injury or being under the weather so that might play a factor as well my big question is <clears throat> for the running game can uh, Devin Singletary supplement some uh, supplement uh, some action here uh, going along with uh, uh, you know Josh Allen? We don't want this to be like a one-dimensional affair with Josh Allen having to make running plays and passing plays. It might put him in a situation. Can Devin Singletary make some plays there? For the Patriots, they come into this one averaging about 21 points per game, so they can kind of match. Buffalo, but not necessarily keep pace. They're 21st in total offense, 11th uh, in in passing yards. They only have sorry, they only have 11th uh, passing touchdowns. That is next to last in the league. And to compare that to just Josh Allen, Josh Allen already has 23. So 
Again, the Patriots have just 11 passing touchdowns. Josh Allen has 23. They're also last in red zone percentage at 38%. They've only made 12 touchdowns on 31 red zone attempts. Struggles. Now, if you, if you look at them defensively, they're pretty damn good. They're sixth in points allowed, over 18 points, sixth in total defense. They're a top 10 team versus the run and the pass. They've also forced 18 turnovers in total, which is fifth in the league. They're also seventh in red zone percentage. So there's some things that they can do defensively. Uh, the big question for them is can they stop Josh Allen? I don't know. I'm not 100% certain. The key matchup, though, in my opinion, will be the Buffalo wide receivers and the tight ends versus the New England secondary. For, of course, Buffalo, you got Stephon Diggs, you got Gabriel Davis. The tight ends are not that bad either. You got Dawson Knox who can make plays. Uh, now, the question is, I can they match up? How do they match up with New England secondary? You got Kyle Duggar there. Uh, you got a lot of different players there. You got Devin McCourty. They lead by like a platoon. They, they're pretty much like a platoon secondary. So it's interesting to see who gets the best of that match, in my opinion, because there's X factors in those positions. Now, all right, y'all, I'm calling it a wrap for today. As far as my next episode is concerned, I do want to get into some more, you know, big time news, political news. Let's see what goes down. Uh, maybe a Russia, you know, I guess um, update. We also got um, some college basketball I haven't gotten into yet. The NBA is waiting. I did want to talk about some conference championships for college football as well. So a few things I did want to brush up on. Oh, and some other some other important things. Well, not I wouldn't say important, but just I guess uh, interesting things. I've come across some fan theories for certain movies, uh, like Jason's Lyric. Uh, I believe one of them was Boys in the Hood couple different black movies that i wanted to talk about these are just fan theories you ain't got to agree with them you ain't got to be going along with them i just found them very interesting and i would like to talk about them uh to be honest with you so uh, again i'll be leaving the link to my social media and also my youtube in the description for the episode if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you peace out one love and i'll holler at you guys later